0: This is episode 98 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 98 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I hope you enjoyed your Christmas and Boxing Day and were able to responsibly spend that time with friends and family. Um, really, really important time of the year for so many I know out there who are going through emotional challenges and and, uh, and really need that support system. So I really do ha- hope that you found a way to do that with the people that uh, matter most to you. Today's episode is going to be a real treat. So to get back onto real estate focused things, I've got Jacob Perez on the show. Jacob was on the show in the first 10 episodes really smart guy really aggressive business person and real estate investor uh, we got into the absolute weeds when it comes to a couple of the burr projects he's working on right now uh, one of them is a project that's going to be worth approximately 1.3 million when he's done it's an Aplex uh, and then there was another one we discussed as well in there and we dug into cap rates debt coverage ratio all that fun stuff so if you're not familiar with that stuff yet um, I would encourage you to download my cash flow spreadsheet on my website you can just go to www.andrew-heinz.com and you will see the link to download my cash flow analyzer in that sheet it actually calculates debt coverage ratio and cap rate so that you can see how those two ratios work and uh, hopefully get a little bit more comfortable with them. And then one additional thing I would recommend if you are new and you're trying to get these concepts down is go right back to the earlier episodes, starting with episode one. I think you'll get a lot of value out of that. And uh, I know so many people who I've sent back to those episodes have thanked me for, for encouraging them to do that. With that being said, if you haven't already, please make sure you rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, leave me a comment, like, subscribe, and hit that notification bell if you have not already done so, just so that you can stay up to date on the most recent episodes and it'll help more people to find it. So thank you so much. Please enjoy episode 98 with Jacob Perez. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I have returning to the show from episode five, I think. Jacob Perez. Wow. Episode
1: five. I didn't realize it was that early in the show, but uh, the show's definitely grown a ton since. I mean, I can't can't say how many people have reached out to me, say, hey, I heard you on the Andrew Hines podcast. And I'm like, whoa, I did that you know, over a year ago. And it just seems like the yeah. popularity keeps kind of growing. So congrats to you. And I got this nice new setup here, so uh, happy to be in a little yeah. bit more comfortable than last time.
0: <laughs> yeah, the last time we were in my basement, um, you know, dog walking around. Yeah, it wasn't the best. Anyways, no, so I, I've graduated to uh, finally not in the basement anymore. Uh, so we've got a fan- pro funds is nice enough to let me use this space. So it's, yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful <laughs> it's spot. Out. Yeah, they got a really nice office here, so we uh, snagged a boardroom here. But uh, anyways, Jacob, I know you're real busy uh, as a mortgage agent, uh, helping people with financing, but you also are. Heavy into joint ventures, heavy into cash flowing deals. Um, why don't you tell me a little bit about what's changed since the last time you were on?
1: Yeah. So I had to do a little recap. You know, where was I at last time we chatted? So I think the last podcast was around March 2019. Yeah. And uh, I think in the title it said something about 17 units, right? So now I guess it's like about a year and a half later, and I'm at thirty-nine units and you know, kind of actively looking to buy. So I've kind of doubled my portfolio since then. Okay. And uh, been using, you know, a lot of the same strategies. So Still using the burst strategy, but doing a lot of the duplex conversions in Hamilton. That's kind of just like yeah. my easy, steady singles. And then, you know, a lot of properties I'm looking at that are bigger are usually outside of Hamilton. So whether it's fourplexes, eightplexes, you know, I picked up a really nice eightplex deal
0: in Sarnia.
1: Was that where that was? Because you were standing
0: outside of a pretty big
1: building. I yeah. thought that was
0: Hamilton. That's in no, Sarnia? No, so that
1: was in Sarnia. So we got eight attached townhomes in Sarnia. And, you know, that was actually one of the few COVID deals somebody got. So I think at the yeah. beginning of when this whole COVID thing hit, everyone was like, what's going to happen with the real estate market? You know, I'm going to take a step back. And I'm going to see if prices drop, you know, things like that. And, you know, what we all kind of found out was as soon as the first lockdown ended, prices kind of soared in kind of all these yeah. different markets in the, in the GTA, uh, greater Hamilton area, what have you. And we kind of got a deal at market value at the beginning of COVID, which now yeah. looks like a really good deal. So, you know, we bought this um, eight eight townhome complex and the cap rate was around 7%. And when the appraisal came in, every single comp in the appraisal was between a 4 and 5% cap rate. In Sarnia? In Sarnia. No yeah. way. Well, well, they were using a lot of London comps, to be honest. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and the thing is, too, is that because they're townhomes, the rental income per unit is a lot higher than what these, you know, apartment buildings they were comping it out at because, you know, there weren't a lot of good comparables for it. Right. Um, but yeah, we got a great deal. You know, it cash flows a ton and we're going to turn over as many units as we can in the short term and get it up even higher. So
0: this is you and
1: me. And uh, that was me and Sean Raya. Sean uh, came across the deal. He asked me if I wanted to go in it with in him.
0: In Sarnia, though. Yeah. That's a real stretch from <laughs> well, where he is. Well,
1: he, he reached out to me because I, I own a fourplex in Sarnia. And um, he knew I had a little, some connections down there and things like that. He was actually asking me what I yeah. thought about the deal. And that's how we kind of came about on that
0: property. So how many units is it? It's an eight plex. Yeah. Eight plex, Okay. Yeah. Um, do you want to go through roughly what those numbers are now since we're talking uh, about it?
1: Yeah. I mean, like with that one specifically, so we picked it up at 800,000. I think the existing rent roll on it had it cash flowing about um, $1,200 a month okay, after all expenses. And once we turn over the units, uh, it's going to be a little over 3,000 a month. Three thousand cash flow, cash flow per
0: month. What do you, uh, what do you figure you'll be into for rentals on that? Like as once you've re- turned them all over, like are you going to put twenty, thirty k in per unit? So when I was going through
1: um, the property, I was like, wow, you know, these are two bed, one baths, but we could easily convert them to three bed, two baths. And the property management company we have in place who's kind of managed the property for a long time, they said, "Hey, you know you really don't need to do that. You know we just turned over one unit, we put about less than ten thousand in it, and they're getting top end market rent on it. so you know it's one of those things where I'm looking at it from a Hamilton investor perspective, saying, "Hey, I want to make yeah. this thing beautiful. you know, I know what kind of rents you can get in Hamilton. Yeah. what the experts in Sarnia are telling us is, know, just go light on the renovation, so maybe less than ten thousand per unit, and we'll be able to get top market rent with that
0: all right so so eighty grand, and then if we want to add in." So you bought it for 800. So if we added in legal fees, all your rentals, all your carrying costs, would you say we'd probably be around? Um, so with
1: that one, we put 20% down on it. So that's another rarity. Yeah. It's like sometimes with commercial financing, you're going to find you're going to get different answers everywhere you talk, yeah. right? And with us, we probably talked about 15 different commercial banks and only yeah. one specific
0: bank had really good terms for us. Was this BMO? This was BMO. Yes. <laughs> Call it out. Yeah. Um because I know a guy, so Austin Mulder. Um mm-hmm. he came to the meetup and he kinda educated me on this. He's like, yeah, we can get 80% sometimes. I'm like, you can? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, So, so
1: we are getting 80% yeah. loan to value, yeah. um, you know, 30 year amortization again, something that you don't quite what? often get on the commercial side. Yep. 30. Okay. And then also because this building's cap rate and servicing is so strong yeah. now all of a sudden, if me and him want to buy more buildings in this corporation, well then our loan to value and amortization opportunities are much better on underperforming buildings because we yeah. can utilize this as well. That's the kind of thing.
0: That's awesome, man. Okay. So so, rentals, I'm just going to put in like, say, 100 grand, including your land transfer, whatever. Sure. That's your, your cost. So, your purchase in Reno, you're about 900K. Um, your new valuation, what do you figure it'll be worth once you get those rents up? You know, it sounds like a
1: stretch, but I'm, I've looked at a lot of appraisals in my life. I've studied the appraisal report. And for me, looking at the numbers, it can't be less than 1.3. Okay, 1.3. And at that point, too, like our goal would be to take it to a CMHC loan where we'd be hopefully 85. getting an 85% loan to value. Yeah.
0: I'd it. still budget on the 80 because sure. they'll probably cut you back on a couple of things, right? They do their own internal. Well, CMHC did approve it at 85% when we originally Without cutting it. back? Yeah. Like they, they appreciated the whole valuation that you had? Well, when we bought it for
1: 800,000, yeah. they offered us a mortgage at 85% loan to value on the building. Oh, okay. I own 35-year amortization. But you amortization. didn't go CMHC, did We didn't you? go CMHC yeah. because we didn't want to lock ourselves in. We wanted to go to CMHC after we well, done the want to like refinance it, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so you're did, did you go like with a 5-year term or a- Well, they were offering a 5-year term uh for ours we put it on a variable, so it's very similar to variable on the residential side. You where, can break it? Yeah, or we can break it okay. exactly. So what are what are the penalties if you break it? Still three months interest. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that was the conversation we had. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I guess we'll, yeah. we'll learn that the hard way if, if it comes.
0: Okay, so hypothetically, um, say you bought it for 800. If if you have 100 grand in, including your your closing costs, you're in 900. And now it's cash flowing while you're renovating. Mm-hmm. So so that's nice. Uh, so it's not really bleeding cash or anything like that. So you get, say hypothetically, um, you get. Uh, well, I guess it would be 100 1.04 million would be your new mortgage. Holy crap. So you're, you're looking at a net investment of negative $140,000 when you go back and refi. Yeah. You know, we haven't been able to find a deal like this since. So we thought when
1: we picked this up, you know, mm-hmm. we're going to find more like this and that we're comfortable playing in this space that we kind yeah. of figured out the commercial financing, right? Because that's always kind of like a black wall. That's for a the lot of harder people.
0: part, right? I think people have a fear about that mm-hmm. because they don't know how it's going to go. The rules are different. Yeah. Um, with the fixed mortgages, you can't break them. You pay the full terms interest, right? So. Mm-hmm. I didn't know variable was different than that. I thought, I thought it was a similar deal.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, you'll see, they try to incentivize you to go to the fix. The fix rates were much lower than the variables they were offering. Yeah. The fix rates were like 0.7% less than the variables they were offering. So okay. we took that higher rate variable because you know know the yeah. consequences that come with it. I
0: like, I like the flexibility. I'll pay for the flexibility, right? Because mm-hmm. as an investor, if all of a sudden you want to refi. I guess they probably would do a blended increase for you if you wanted to, but yeah. But then yeah. you can't necessarily take advantage of the CMHC refinances where there you, you, you want to yeah, go. you want to be able to break it and go CMHC, and that's the key thing. Like I hear people talk about CMHC loans, and and you know, talking to realtors, they're not going to wait. You're not going to be able mm-hmm. to tie a property up for six months while you try and get CMHC loan approved. So the best way, from my experience and understanding, would be to buy it first, do what you're going to do to it, and then go through the process because it takes a while, right? I think. Kyle Ford was talking to me. He told me it took like 11 months to get it done. Depends on the property.
1: Depends on the environmental is what happens, right? Yeah. So yeah, conventional loan on the way in or a private loan on the way in. And then, yeah. you know, hopefully refinance through CMHC. But yeah, you can't rely on that. You know, real estate is so competitive. Yeah, I mean, they're not going to wait
0: forever while you try and Try winning an yeah. offer
1: when you need to extend the closing date three, four times. You know, it's pretty difficult. Yeah,
0: yeah it's getting competitive out there, right? People are just having to come in. Uh, I was talking to a realtor. He had a 22 unit building listed. And his comment to a guy trying to buy it was, come to me with a firm offer. That's the kind of thing that's happening right now. People are actually, you know, when they're trying to get it for a good deal. I'm not encouraging that because it's dangerous. But, uh, you know, for the right, you know, some people that works. So what do you think you're going to get um, average after you turn these over? What's your rent going to be?
1: Uh, between thirteen and $1,400 per
0: unit. Okay, so $1,350, we will call it, times eight. So you'll be about $10,800 um, gross month, uh, gross monthly rent. What do you figure your taxes will be ballpark? Well, taxes on the building, I think,
1: off top of my head, I think they're around $8,000. They might be a bit more, but I think it's around 8000
0: Okay, and then insurance on something like that, probably like... 400 a month, something like that. So I think it was like
1: $4,500 a year. It wasn't it? too bad. We That's got not like, bad at all. We got about you know a bunch of different quotes. One, again, significantly under while still giving us pretty reasonable mm-hmm. coverage. So uh, again, it's just, you have to do your research on what's out there. Yeah. Um, a lot of times, what you'll find is that you know, even like you said, BMO, right? Well, you can talk to the wrong person
0: at BMO, oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and
1: you can yeah. get a different answer. Right? Yeah, you so- need to know
0: who to deal with, and and one person can say no. Like I, I've given this story before. I was I went to RBC for a deal, and one person like pretty much laughed at me. Like, why would you come to us? Like your your deal doesn't work at all. Your your ratios are way out. I went to another guy I know at RBC, and he's like, yeah, I can do this, yeah, and I got it done. Like. And I was like, so frustrated with that. So it really isn't about the lender. It's not about the brand. It's about who you're working with.
1: Exactly. They, and you they, know, certain, certain commercial advisors, they yeah. get more leniency with the underwriters due to their track sure, record, right? Exactly. So sometimes the one person might be doing the right thing, but they don't have the, the, yeah. the leverage that, you know, someone else might have in the bank.
0: You really do want to find out what are, what's working for investors. And I know you work with investors a lot, and this is exactly to the point. Like, I want to work with a mortgage guy that helps investors do exactly what I'm doing. Or does it themselves or a combination of both? Yeah. That's that's where I want to be. Um, okay, so something I'm going to put five percent for maintenance, five percent for management, because that's pretty much what the bank yeah, is to Five percent for management yeah. as well. Yeah, lawn cutting. um I
1: don't know. I think we and just know we just got a, right? we just got a quote on this. Honestly, I can't tell you what it is, but you know, let's say in Hamilton, I pay for similar property about uh two hundred a month for full yeah. service year round. So I would say. That One doesn't really have much lawn, there is definitely a lot there, so you know you can put 3,000 if you want to be conservative.
0: Okay, so we'll say 3,000 to be conservative, and then I just put 500 miscellaneous, uh, for that. Okay, so you said you figured 1.3 million would be your value. Mm-hmm. So, on that, your cap rate, if it is a 1.3 at the end of that, it looks like your cap rate's at 7.44, 4. yeah, with the raised rents because we have a lot of the yeah. units
1: in there right now that are rented at 800, you know, things like that, right? So, it's going to be a pretty yeah. significant raise, and then the thing is because they're all um, you know, kind of their own encompassed units. Like yeah. we're, we're isol- all the utilities are going to be isolated out, and there is no common space in the building. Yeah. There is no common space, so there like literally is not a utility for us.
0: So there's no utilities whatsoever. Well, we're
1: separating the meters now. Yeah. That's the, that's the idea. But the hydro is already separated. If you the gas is already separated, just the water that we're trying to figure out right now.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Actually, I better in, just to, just in case you don't get that one. So yeah. So <laughs> yeah. water. Maybe for uh, like, five thousand for the year or something 5, like that. 000. Yeah. Just in case. Um, okay. So. So I see then that you're about a 7.06% cap rate, which is pretty crazy. Your debt coverage ratio is 1.86 to 1. So you'll have no problem uh, getting... You should have no problem getting that mortgage approved with the bank.
1: So that's the thing is is that I think what we're going to find out is that really the value of this property is going to be how it allows us to buy more commercial with better Better. terms than we'd be able to do otherwise had we come in fresh. So you're
0: saying that the bank's going to see you doing well with this property and they're going to be more inclined to want to lend to you again because your first property performs well. Well, it's more
1: like this, right? Let's say the bank has a debt service coverage ratio of 1.2 that's required in order for them Mm -hmm. to give 80% loan to value. If we have one property at 1.7, well, then maybe they can lend us on the next one, something under 1.2 while leveraging the cash flow of the other property, as long as it's bought in the same corporation, the same owners.
0: Okay, so they might be willing to to play ball with you and let you do that. And I've heard, I've heard things like that, although I think they may want to put mortgage security on both properties then. Which they had already had yeah, in the first place. Yeah. yeah, so they already control both properties, so they don't care. Yeah, so I just figured 30-year AM, 2.5% interest rate. You might even do better, though, with CMHC than that. Yeah, exactly. So if we said 2%, it, then your debt coverage ratio is like almost 2 That's what I'm talking about. Which is like ridiculous. We it's didn't like, realize
1: how lucky we got with this deal. Got lucky, yeah. We're not experts. You know, there was... There was uh, quite a few offers on the property. I think mm-hmm. every single person just offered full ask. That's all we did as well. And it was probably who had the best letter, who had the best write up. Right. Oh, so you
0: did a write up to the seller.
1: Yeah. I said, hey, you know, I own a mortgage brokerage. You can look us up. You know, I finance these kind of deals all the time, so we'll yeah. have no issues closing on the property. Um, you know, sometimes that can be the difference. And you know, we're lucky. You know, like Sean, for example, he puts out a lot of content. I put out a lot of content. You
0: never know how this so stuff's going to help you. Yeah,
1: yeah someone's going to Google you, see who you are. That that does definitely does makes a difference to a seller, I would say.
0: That's interesting. And, and I've heard people doing this, like putting a cover letter on their offers and presenting it to sellers. I've never done that, but I have heard of it. And that makes a lot of sense why that would work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, just just to differentiate you. I mean, of course, it is a lot about confidence. Who's a person getting second close? So you were conditional on this?
1: Uh, yeah, we were conditional on it. I think we were conditional for... So basically, the way it worked was... They wanted a specific closing date and they wanted a specific conditional period. And we said, I said to the to the realtor, I said, hey, look, I know that no one's going to be able to satisfy this conditional period in one week. They wanted a one week conditional.
0: Yeah. And unless um, they go private money.
1: Yeah. So I said, you know, no one's going to be. Well, I said this hoping he would believe me. I said no one's going to be able to satisfy this conditional period in one week. Right. Uh, so we can do that, but we're going to have to extend it after one week. And he said, well, this is what the seller wants. So we put it in for one week and we did extend it after that. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, everything actually went according to what I said. So, you know, we were able to tie it up with a shorter conditional period and then we were yeah. able to extend the conditional period because guess what? You know, the tenants weren't cooperative with us walking through the units. So, you know, the tenants in a bigger multifamily, if you set up your conditions where it's conditional upon you getting access to all yeah. the units, the tenants are probably going to help you out and buy you more time yeah. just for their own, like their own difficulty kind of thing. Yeah, right?
0: that's, that's true. And, in and- it depends on the realtor on the other side. If they'll let that slide through, they'll be like, no, no, it's 10, 10 days from when you start. Yeah. Uh, so it, it really does depend. Another one you, you can write in, and I know if realtors don't like this, is you can write in, uh, you have a conditional document review period, and it starts when you get all the documents. 100%. And you list out all the documents. But they may they may say no way because you could just say we missed a document or if we don't have that, then what do we do with that?
1: Well, so that's a, that's one thing we did not include that I learned that we should include in the future. and that's what I put in all my commercial offers now is conditional condition period begins once I receive all these documents because yeah. the, the reality is, is the bank can't assess the financing if they don't Without have the documents. those
0: documents. yeah, so you'd need uh, do they want 12 months or two years worth of utility bills? Uh, tax bill insurance bill and i then, I
1: think you know it depends on the lender kind of thing, right? I think the most important thing is just the tenant acknowledgements and their and the rent the so leases. they want te- they want those so yeah. they want
0: tenant to acknowledge each rent, so you can't just provide a rent roll
1: yeah, I mean I'm not hundred percent sure to be honest, like you know, I think it's going to depend on the bank specifically, yeah. but you know when i'm doing an offer i'm asking for as much as possible and seeing what they come back with
0: yeah because they're all it's it's all going to depend with the business side they, they're they also unique and what they want and then you really do need to get to know them they need to get to know you and then you get out of a working relationship right mm-hmm. yeah so that's good like if you can build that relationship out with with your lender then over time it's going to get a lot easier yeah yeah, and then you can start just calling them up. Hey, can I get this done? Oh, it's like your last one? Okay, yeah, we'll do that. Mm-hmm, exactly. What, did you need an environmental study on this one?
1: Nope, no environmental needed. I mean, honestly, it was the easiest situation ever. It was to the point where, you know, the guy we were working with at the bank, the commercial advisor, it was almost like I was waiting for the catch at every yeah. point in the process. You know, I kept triple checking. Yeah. He was he was so nonchalant about the process. It was making me uncomfortable. Like he, he, oh, yeah. has, he had no worries with the process. I was starting to get uncomfortable being, you know, there has yeah. to be something else. There has to be something else coming, but no, you know, it worked out really well. I mean, Sean and I, we have both been through the mortgage process a million times. So we have all our documents. We're not a mess as clients, yeah. you know, everything's pretty straightforward. So um, it really wasn't too big of a challenge.
0: Yeah. What uh, did you guys just do 50-50 on the, the
1: investment? Yeah. So we did 50-50 on it. Um, we just share the responsibilities. We have it under property management and uh, yeah. go from there. You know, I have a few properties with him and we have different agreements in every single one. Um, yeah. We have some where I tied up a deal. I brought him in it. I made him finance it. We just did another one. Honestly, we should talk about this next deal. This one we just completed, just got the refinance check back for. This is probably the best bird deal that I've ever done.
0: Uh, oh, yeah. And we just closed it. So- should I talk about this one? Well, we're, we're going to get into that in just, okay. in just a second. So uh, hang hang on to that sure. thought. We'll come into that. So just to finish up this thought, we we got. Uh, I mean, if it is a two percent mortgage that you can get, if these rates stay as low as they are, you'd be looking at about thirty eight hundred bucks a month in cash flow on that. Not bad to me. So so if you want to calculate that as a total return, you've got your annual pay down on the mortgage, which on a thirty year M is going to be about twenty seven thousand. Then you're going to have thirty nine thousand dollars in appreciation if three percent is your appreciation rate, which I think. There's some precedent for, I see Sarnia getting, getting kind of aggressive in the near future, but I could be wrong. And then cash flow 45 grand a year at that rate. So you're at $111,000 total return, almost 112, and your investment's negative. So we can't calculate a return on investment, but this is, a, this is one property that's generating over $100,000 in return per year.
1: Pretty wild, right? Yeah. So, I mean, this is just a good note for the people listening, the people watching. You know, Andrew's going through all these numbers. You know, he's giving you all the details. For me, when I assess deals, I look at a few basic metrics and, like, that's good for me. So, you know, I knew the deal was good. You know, I didn't know it down to the numbers. So you're showing me right now on my own transaction, right? But that's the thing is, like, you know, every approach to real estate is okay. You know, if you're going to be the kind of person who's going to crunch every single number, you're probably going to be the most prepared, right? But if you're going to be the kind of person where, you know, you want to know your five, six key metrics and
0: that's good enough to move forward, you know, taking action is also a good approach. I start to create shortcuts from doing this. I do this Mm -hmm. for the show, but once you start to do this a few times, you realize shortcuts. Okay. What rent do I need to get on a building, you know, relative to its purchase price to get roughly this cash flow? And then you just, you know, and you can quickly assess. Yeah. The calculator in your iPhone can usually tell you most things you need to know. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just divide out. Like there a while back, I realized that uh, on properties when I was doing burrs, as long as I could get 0.65% rent uh, relative to my purchase price on a monthly basis, the deal would cash flow quite well. Like right. on a five six hundred thousand dollars, I'd be cash flowing like six hundred bucks. Yeah. So I just knew that, so I could just prepare for that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. So you got another one here. Tell me about this next deal.
1: Okay, so this is the next deal. Um, this will be good. I think people at home are going to like these numbers. It's one of these deals where, you know, part of me doesn't want to broadcast the numbers. I don't want my joint venture partners thinking this is the standard. This is the normal. Um, because the deal is so good. It's just, you know, if you do a lot of real estate transactions, you hit a lot of singles every once in a while, you're going to hit a home run. Right? right. So, this deal was definitely that. So, um, you know, I was working as a mortgage agent and Sean picked up this deal off market and he was trying to, you know, partner on this deal with someone. And I was doing the mortgage and, you know, really quick assessment. You know, the person just could not qualify for this. There was five or six things wrong with the situation. It just, for whatever reason, just wasn't going to be a fit. So, mm-hmm. I was looking at the numbers on this, and I was like, "What kind of property is this? Oh, it's a legal fourplex for two hundred and forty three thousand dollars. What's going on here?" So I said, "Hey, you know, I'll finance this property like hundred percent. Is it a good deal? It tells me a little bit about it." So, anyways, we end up buying this property in Port Colborne, Ontario, just south of Saint Catharines. For people don't know Niagara that well, um, for two hundred and forty three thousand. So it's a legal fourplex. It's a huge building. Um, there's two two bedroom units and two one bedroom units.
0: Did you say 243?
1: 243.
0: Okay. So, so two, two bedrooms and two, one bedrooms? Yeah.
1: Okay. And it's like purpose built or is it purpose a, built? Yeah. Um, you know, separately metered, massive building, everything separate, electric, gas, water. Uh, electric is separate. It's electrically heated as well. So there is no, uh, gas okay. in the building. I don't believe. And then there's water.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, I mean, that is one thing that, it's it's a bit of a a potential negative for a tenant, but I don't yeah. know if you've really seen that much. We can talk about that after. Yeah, it uh, could be a
1: negative, but you know, when you're in a town like Port Colborne, you know, you don't need the granite countertops and all this kind yeah. of stuff in order to be one of the more marketable units in the town.
0: Interesting. Okay, so what kind of reno's did you guys put into that? So this was the biggest dump I bought, hands
1: down by far. So you know, even just like the exterior of the building. Needed to get done. It was something where it couldn't wait. The siding was falling off. It looked Mm -hmm. like just a complete mess. So, what we ended up doing was we took possession. We're like, okay, let's see how quick we can start getting some of these tenants out. So, we had one tenant who was willing to leave right at the beginning. So, that was just an easy win. No cash or keys, just straight up willing to leave.
0: Yeah.
1: Then we had another unit where it just looked like somebody threw a party in there and, you know, Nobody had been back from this party in a while. Everything was, there was a couch flipped upside down. There was, um, you know, food left over, but it didn't really seem like someone lived there. There was a mattress on the ground in the room. We didn't really know. So got to talking to all the tenants in the building. And we found out that one of the tenants said, no one's been there for five years. And she thinks the guy's dead or something. She doesn't even, <laughs> she'll even so know. who's paying? Well, so there was a government check coming in every single month. So for this unit was paying direct. So, so some kind of government agency was paying for this unit for however many years and nobody even lives there. So we contacted them. We said, hey, no one even lives here. No one's seen anyone here. And uh, we cut off that you know, rental income and we just turned over the unit. So we thought someone lived there when we bought it. When oh we took goodness. over, we turned out we had a vacant unit we didn't even know about. Wow. So I guess the previous owner was just happily accepting the rent every month and not even wanting to take advantage of turning over the unit.
0: That's, that's probably not the most attentive owner, which yeah. is what you saw.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we ended up turning over two of four units. And so we did, you know, new flooring, new kitchens, new bathrooms. And then we redid all the siding on the building and we redid the roof as well. And we got great deals on everything. You know, yeah. we got a bunch of quotes for the siding around uh in the thirty thousand range, thirty 000 to forty thousand range. And eventually, you know, we were gonna give up. We were gonna paint the existing siding and uh Sean asked one company, he said, hey, all we have is uh, 17000 left in our budget. If we can't get siding done for that, we're not going to do it. And then somebody took on the job for that price.
0: Interesting. Did you
1: do vinyl? Um, yep. Okay, vinyl. Did you have to do your soft at yeast trough as well? Oh, wait, sorry. Did we do vinyl? Honestly, I, you should ask Sean about this. He was managing the renovation for the most part. Yeah. um but i'll show you pictures of it maybe you can show those and you can tell me. yeah it if you is.
0: send them to me i'll try to remember to put them actually on the video version of this sure. right right now where we're talking about it so that uh, it's overlaid on the video yeah
1: so it's like you know it was like kind of like that old beat up off-white siding before and then it's all dark and black now we put all white um soffits and eavesdrops okay so and all you've that. replaced all that yeah. so yeah
0: that's that's really what it takes to make it look new again and that nah. like from a curb appeal standpoint just completely transform a building transforms a building aluminum siding actually is nice like i don't mind painting it because mm-hmm. i think that can look nice too but there's a certain point where it's beyond repair yeah and then you then it needs to go so what did you get into in terms of doing all that like what was your total reno
1: total reno is actually only about sixty-five thousand. So, so okay. we you know we hired guys just to do the labor bought the materials didn't like outsource it to a contractor or anything like that did it as cheap as possible and what do you figure the new value, or what
0: was the new value according to appraisal? So,
1: yeah, so we bought it at two forty-three. Right? We put in about sixty-five. We were thinking it was going to appraise in the in the high fours, yeah, which would have been an amazing deal. And then when I started pulling up the comps, I was like, "What's going on here?" I mean, the comps are way higher than four seventy-five. Like actually, way higher. So, anyways, long story short, it ended up appraising at five eighty-five,
0: five eighty-five. Wow, five eighty-five. And you guys got eighty uh, percent of that, eighty percent on that. Okay, so this time okay so 464 uh eight would be your new mm-hmm, uh new, new mortgage so your net investment on this one looks like uh, one hundred and sixty thousand dollars money given to you yeah so this is where the down payment for the uh for the uh eight came from then. well no we did this after the eight okay. yeah but um but when you do deals like this there's unlimited funds to keep investing
1: it's crazy right yeah. so you know not only did get our down payment back but we got you know one hundred fifty thousand. so you know how do you make $75,000 tax-free? That's, that's about almost like $150,000 salary just gained on the project.
0: Yeah. Now, what do you, what's your thoughts on like, the tax implication there? Because that, you're writing off the interest on that mortgage against that property. So what, how do you section that up so that you don't get into any trouble from CRA standpoint? Well, what do you mean? Like, what trouble did you get into? Well, if you didn't use that money for an investment.
1: The refinance? Yeah, money? The refinance dollars. Is that for some reason a problem? If you if you mm-hmm. want to spend it on a trip to Mexico, is that an issue?
0: Well, because technically now you've got some of the the um, tax deductible expense that is relevant to the property and Mm. then that money that you pulled out say you just took the 75k and went and bought a you know a nice car with it yeah uh that's not tax deductible so now you've sort of kind of muddied the waters so to speak yeah i'm not
1: sure i mean i think a lot of people they'll refinance their rentals to prepay their primary residence that's technically not a tax deductible asset
0: right no people do it all the time i guess i'm just curious like i don't know if this is actually a target for a cra thing like i i err on the side of caution maybe a little bit too much sometimes yeah, but, uh, I mean
1: if you know me and Sean, we'll probably be putting it in more real estate. I wish I didn't. I wish I spent it more on some fun
0: or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you just write back into your portfolio anyway. Yeah. And that way, like it keeps everything nice and clean and tidy. Yeah. That's just, you know, something to be aware of. Like I would say talk like for people watching, talk sure. to your accountant, obviously. Um okay. So let's talk about your rental rates on this. Like what are you getting? So we still have two units renting at seven hundred dollars each. Those are the
1: tenants that we have not uh kind of turned over yet. Okay. And then the new ones—one rents for twelve fifty plus hydro, the other rents for eleven hundred plus hydro.
0: Okay, so you're thirty-seven fifty on the building, uh, which is forty-five grand a year. I'll leave a three percent vacancy in there. What are your taxes on that approximately? Like- taxes are
1: twenty-two
0: oh, sixty. That's very accurate.
1: Yeah, I just did the mortgage on it, so I remember. okay. Ballpark insurance. Insurance on that one. Think we're closer to around maybe like thirty five hundred for the year, something
0: like that. Oh, really? Okay, that was more than I was thinking. Thinking it would be. Yeah, I mean, four plaques, right? So just the
1: rebuild value because the square oh, is footage, it really square footage big? It's like, massive. Oh, okay, so that's the massive. thing. Yeah. It's all
0: based on the on square footage. Okay, so uh maintenance, I'll leave at five percent. Water and other utilities. Like, what do you what do you think you're into? Honestly, no idea because we just got it. So we're learning, right?
1: So So you're probably going to be, well, which ones do you pay for? So we pay for the two that we inherited and we don't, yeah, and we don't pay for the others. So let's just say, you know, um, I think if we want to be conservative, like 500 bucks a month.
0: Well, I would say 2,500 for water for the year, probably. Okay, And then electric on those two units, those are probably each 80 bucks a month would you think i don't know you can correct I me if i'm we'll, wrong
1: we'll see i mean all i know is again so this comes down to the details i know all i know is we're definitely cash flowing pretty good money. oh you're cash thing. flowing good
0: and then there's no and there's no gas right you said? Uh, no gas yeah so it's so a 2500 for water 80 times 2 times 12 for, for the uh, other stuff so that work out to be forty four twenty on the year we're ballparking it uh you'll find out as you go maintenance uh, management leave at five percent well we're not we're managing that one ourselves okay. yeah so we'll put this one at zero for nothing um from a bank standpoint, they're gonna include it, but of well, we're doing
1: it, we're doing it on residential financing. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, so
0: that one doesn't matter then. Yeah. Okay, so lawn cutting and snow removal. Uh there is no lawn, so none and of just that. Snow. And then
1: snow. Honestly, I don't even know what our plan is there. I think there's only like one or two parking spots, so I'm not even sure that like it's required. Okay. I oh, think my... it's kinda like do it yourself.
0: I'll leave a uh I'll leave a, a four hundred bucks a month. Or I'll 400 leave four hundred bucks for the year yeah. for that just in case that comes up. Um, okay, and then you got a 585 on that. So let's just see it. Okay, so your cap rate on this is looking like it's 5.18%. Your debt coverage ratio, let's calculate that. So you got a 30-year, what what interest rate? 2.2 on that 2. one. 2.2. So your mortgage is about 1774 a month and you have a debt coverage ratio. Well, not that that's relevant to the bank if you're doing rest, yeah. but it would be 1.42. And uh, that would be 750 bucks in cash flow.
1: Yeah. But I think it's a bit more, honestly, I think yeah. it's probably closer to a little over a thousand just because yeah. we're not, you know, we do things pretty cheap, but we'll see, right? We'll see. Well, what it yeah. I mean,
0: be. and if you just renovated, what kind of maintenance are you going to be paying? It, you're going to, you're going to feel the maintenance when those other units turn over.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, exactly.
0: And maybe the odd thing here and there, who knows if you get roots in your, in your, uh, sanitary connection or something like that. I don't know if you guys have had that issue or if you no dug no, it up. We've been lucky. Yeah. Have you had that on any of your properties? Yeah.
1: I had one on uh, a duplex conversion. I recently had, you know, coming up in the basement the sewer issue how to so get bad. yeah so <laughs> i had to pay like i think a couple of grand to get it fixed and then that's still like a you know temporary fix to some degree and have to go through the city for for more work potentially
0: yeah yeah getting them lined seems to be the uh, the opportunity people want um but it's yeah it's all expensive and very annoying <laughs> that's why you need the cash flow right? That's why you, you need know? the cash flow so just, to pay for just to
1: pay for everything yeah. you don't want to be you know if you're a busy yeah. person you have a busy career you want to be in a yeah. position where you don't need to get five quotes yeah you might be getting ripped off by a couple hundred bucks here and there but like yeah. who cares I, I want to not i don't care. need the
0: cheapest yeah mm-hmm. i have a very good feel of what things should cost and as long as it's reasonable uh, i prefer a good relationship with somebody yeah. where i know they're going to do a good job and and i'll, I'll just work with them yeah. i don't want the cheapest because the cheapest always ends up being more expensive
1: yeah and you know what, i just want someone who the most important thing for me is like communicate with my tenants and keep my tenants in the loop on what's happening, and you deal with them, Yeah, and and you just send me the leave invoice. leave me out of it. Yeah, <laughs>
0: leave me out of it. Yeah, that's why anyone anyone dealing in any of my properties, I'm like, here's the tenant's number, and if you need to, here's the code to get in. Yeah. And uh, that's that's the easiest way to do it. So, um, okay, so this one's another great deal. Like, you guys are getting cash flow all over the place. Um, you said your, your total portfolio, you're up to 39? 39
1: doors now. Yeah. yeah.
0: How many properties is that? That is 13 properties.
1: 13 properties, and they're all JV'd? Uh no. So I'm kind of going back to trying to do full ownership model. So, you know, if I'm looking at deals here and there that are a burr where I'm hundred percent gonna get all my money back, um, I'll take those ones mm-hmm. kind of thing myself. Um, you know, luckily, you know, with this mortgage career, it's gone really, really well. So yeah. I have a lot of borrowing power that I never had when I was coming up and doing a lot of these JVs. Yeah. So I kinda of hand the deals I want to do myself kind of thing. You know, I'm looking at different models as well for commercial deals where I'm taking more private funds to close and then pay myself back on a refinance later kind of thing yeah i just think you know when it comes to jvs what i'm learning is i like joint venturing but i want to joint venture with people who i could be on the ride with for a long time so let's say for example the perfect joint venture partner is your age that's what a lot of Mm -hmm. people don't realize is the best joint venture partner is actually the same age as you right you have the same time horizon with the uh the property right um, but yeah, so a lot of them are jv some of them are solo, I'd say probably like three or solo, ten or JV right now, maybe. Okay. Um, but we'll see. I might turn over some stuff I have, take some capital, change things up a little bit. But um, you know, I would say like you know, 95% of my time goes towards the mortgage business.
0: Five percent of my yeah. time
1: goes towards investing. So right. I like investing, I'm always interested in investing. I don't need to give my get myself motivated for it. I'm always gonna be looking for deals. I enjoy that. Mm-hmm. But the mortgage business takes all my energy because Every single year, we're dealing with way more clients. Their investor pool in Ontario is growing like crazy. Everybody wants to invest in real estate for good reason. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's financial freedom. Everyone's trying to take care of their family and do these great things. So that's really my priority is kind of growing my mortgage team and seeing how big we can get this operation, how many people like in Canada we can help every year. And then um, aside from that, you know, just for- forcing myself to stay focused on investing because, you know, it's not something that requires a ton of time. You know, this year, it's really been outsourced, outsource as much as yeah. possible, you know, I need to get to the point where everything's under management because I can't be involved anymore.
0: Well, I think you've got a a nice maybe problem that kind of forces you to not be involved. And that's you are so busy that you cannot manage these properties. The other thing is you physically couldn't because I think you own in Windsor as well, don't you? Not Windsor. No, just Just Sarnia, Sarnia. Niagara,
1: Hamilton. Um, And the stuff in Sarnia, no, it's already under management, right? And It's funny the way management works because you look at a market like Sarnia where the rents are lower. And you can get a management company at 5% out and starting a no problem. But then you go to a place like Hamilton, everyone wants 7%, 8%, but the rents are way higher. So they want more money for the same
0: amount of work. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Yeah, I'd, actually, yeah. it's Well, yeah, same amount of, amount of work and a lot more money. And because, a lot more money. Because, because the, the rents, the are, higher rents are, higher are higher and the percents are higher. Yeah. Like, you should just leave the percent the same. I've heard, you know, between everything, people paying like 10 12% by the yeah. time they're paying leasing fees and rentals. Um, You know, I get it because property management is sort of a thankless job. Sure. And uh, I'm sure the people who are in it, like, I think most people in the business aren't that good at it. So it's a struggle for them. So they want to price higher. Uh, There are some companies that are just really, really well, well organized and they do well. And I think that they can charge less because of that. Right now in Hamilton, I guess that's just the going right. So I guess good for them.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I've kind of transitioned to hiring people part-time to do certain things. So I have yeah, a bookkeeper, that's what I like. you know, doing all all the bookkeeping for me, you know, we're in December and usually this is a point in the year where I'm stressed because I've joined venture partners. I need to serve up their bookkeeping for all the properties for tax time. And usually that's on me. And that's a really annoying task for me to, you know, go through all the receipts and everything at the end of the year. Right now we're in December and everything's perfectly organized. This is the first time yeah. in my life it's ever been this way, right? So, oh, you know, nice. that gives me, you know, the confidence to attack bigger projects and do more on the investing side because I'm not so bogged down with the management.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I actually, I like that too. Like I keep my stuff so up to date that the year, new year rolls around. The most I have to do is just double check that the interest I've recorded is the same as what the bank sends me. Sure. Like that yeah. just update my mortgage statements and it's good for my accountant. My accountant actually can log into my QuickBooks, so I don't even have to send it to him. He actually just did my last year's tax return without even asking. He's just like, "Oh, I've got it ready for him." Like you do. <laughs> I wow. didn't even know you were doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's kind of a, a nice way. Like if you get really organized, and I think you got to have systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's nice that you you've delegated a lot, which I think everyone can learn from that. It's me as well. <laughs> I I want to delegate more so that I have more time to look at new deals, sure. like, you know, do that kind of thing. So your mortgage business, like, what's your background? I think you do you have
1: an MBA. Uh, master's in data analytics. Okay. So, you know, I do have a BCOM, so I did my undergrad okay. in business and I was like, you know, your typical business kid. I want to be in marketing. I want to be in these things that sound yeah. fun, right? And then I realized, okay, well, these marketing jobs don't pay that well. I took a finance job with the government. Then I realized that I never want to work with the government. It breeds complacency and I don't want to be a complacent person. No disrespect, but that's, just, that's the environment it made mm. me into. And then I decided to do a master's in data analytics where I was learning, you know, math, predictive modeling, all this different stuff. And, yeah. uh, I loved that degree. It taught my brain how to think numerically, mathematically, and uh, it was really, really helpful. And then also the network I got from that program has really helped me. You know, I have one joint venture partner who's just a fellow student in that program I bought three houses with, right? So little yeah. things that you never know that, that are going to pay long term. And then, you know, I worked in a startup. I've done a bunch of different roles. And then, you know, eventually I was just kind of like, why am I digging and fighting and interviewing to ask somebody to let me work for them? When I could just go work in real estate, and yeah. I was already investing in real estate on the side, I always felt like I, I knew this industry, and that's when I joined the mortgage side. And then since then, you know, the business has grown. This is my third year, and um, we opened a brokerage at the start of this year. So now it's you know running my own operation. Also, I thought
0: it was already your brokerage. You well, we were we were we were a
1: team, right? We were underneath the brokerage, oh, and okay. then eventually, you know, we were looking at maybe switching, and then looked okay. at all the numbers. It made sense to open our own shop. Yeah.
0: So now you guys deal with your your lenders direct, exactly. Not through- Yeah. So I imagine you've, you know, the big thing with brokers is you send a lot of business to certain lenders. So you get really good relationship, you can get deals done. Yeah. um, Which is I'm sure why your clientele can benefit as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right. So, you know, because we're doing so many rental deals, like I have four full-time staff, you know, my um, one of my staff just bought an investment property uh, this past month, super exciting. You know, my staff have underwritten so many different Burr deals, right? (laughs) They know Burr's, they know all the terminology because You know, it seems like everyone's on this wave, right? And the thing that's really great is, like, we're learning about all these markets, right? So I'd say the three markets that have just been going nuts the last couple of years have definitely been Hamilton, Niagara, and Windsor. Those have been the three where we're just getting people, like, you know, all these people from Toronto buying in Windsor, all these people in Toronto looking in Hamilton, Niagara, you know, London as well. London's definitely another one. That's so expensive
0: now in London too, but yeah. And that's the thing is, like, you know, I
1: just had a client... where so for example just like the what's happening with the prices i had one client buy a duplex in windsor for 200,000 i had another client buy a duplex in windsor for 600,000 so like the prices are going like going up in all these small markets and what i'm learning from this is really people are buying until there's no more cash flow
0: in like every city. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a moment and give a shout out to a couple of very important local businesses to me. As you know, this lockdown has been tough on everyone and small businesses have been taking the brunt of it. So there's two specific businesses I wanted to give a shout out to. This is a completely unpaid promotion. They didn't ask me to do this, but I wanted to give them a shout out because I think they're really important and I want to see them be successful. Uh, So one is new york new york men's grooming lounge here in burlington ontario i always see sergio every month Uh, they do a fantastic job their atmosphere there is fantastic there's usually some frank sinatra playing in the background Um, they're a great establishment even if you just want to go in and have an espresso or have a beer and chat it really is a lounge and social uh, location which is just such a unique concept in today's market really like those guys i really want to see them succeed If you're looking for a fantastic men's haircut and grooming experience, I highly recommend them. The next one I wanted to give a shout out to is Dr. Mike White over at the Momentum Health Clinic in Hamilton. Dr. Mike has been able to help me many times over the years when I've hurt my back. He's a chiropractor, uh, so I'd be in a position where I couldn't even walk, I couldn't turn. Uh, I was in an agonizing pain, and I'd go to Dr. Mike, and usually I'm 100% better within a week. Now, I know it's a touchy thing with a medical service, so always, always, always consult with your medical professional before seeking any form of treatment. I just wanted to let you know my experience here, and I certainly think Mike White is worth considering i've included the details for both of these contacts in my show notes please show them support if you see fit thank you so much i really appreciate it okay so on that note and i think the same so i think it's like and i say this a lot so forgive me if you've heard this before but when you drop a rocket upon the the waves ripple out and then they hit the edge and then they kind of ripple back towards the center Mm -hmm. so i think that this is the natural evolution of things we've seen the waves ripple out they've reached windsor they've reached sarnia it's going to push up only so high in Sarnia before. I, now, people are like, why am I driving all the way to Sarnia for this? And now they start rippling back towards the middle. Yep. Um, I see that happening. So I'm looking at markets that are not those because I see the pattern, see the trend. I know it's coming. Even Sudbury's on its way up. Yep. I mean, people don't mind bearing the cold. They'll go up a little further north. And I'm I'm curious, what markets are you going to be looking to next, understanding what's happening?
1: Yeah. So great question. I think, you know, when it comes to bigger multifamily and when it comes to burr projects, you know, if you're getting all your money back, you're pretty much safe in any market, right? Now the places I like, okay, is I still like Hamilton a lot because Mm -hmm. I feel like Hamilton is your sweet spot between being a small town and being close enough to Toronto that you're sort of in the mix kind of thing. So, you know, I think what I've seen is that people will buy, like I said earlier, people will buy until there's no more cash flow. So you look at cities like Mississauga, Oakville, Burlington. Well, you're not seeing as much duplex conversions there and things like that that you used to back in the day because there's not as much cash flow. So if yeah. I look at Hamilton specifically and I look at today's market rents in Hamilton, what it tells me is somebody could still cash flow at eight hundred thousand on a duplex in Hamilton. So yeah. So that tells me, okay, well, I think duplexes in Hamilton can go all the way to eight hundred thousand. Eight hundred thousand, really? S- sounds go, crazy. How
0: do you believe that to be true? Like. I'm just watching
1: behavior of investors. It doesn't mean that I think that, right? It's just I'm watching the behavior that
0: I'm seeing. But do you think that they think they have cash flow and they don't at that price? Because I would assume they do not have cash flow. No, no, I would, say they, I
1: would say they do have so cash flow. So what kind of
0: rents are they getting? To- so let's say if you're getting, for
1: example, um, you know, 3,200, not even crazy number, yeah. with 20% down, uh, 30-year amortization, and you're outsourced, and you're, uh, and it's all the utilities are paid by the tenants.
0: Okay, and then with lower mortgage rates, I yeah. guess. Yeah, so... So this is this is allowing our our prices to get pushed up. So the interest rates aren't really saving anyone any money. They're just They're just paying a bit more on the purchase. price, Exactly. Right. So
1: all these different behaviors and ideas to have more, you know, to help people qualify more will just drive the prices up. Right. Mm -hmm. So you talk about like same thing when they talk about things like, you know, a universal basic income. Well, when everybody gets an extra thousand dollars a month, what's going to happen to the rent prices? They're going to skyrocket and they're going to go accordingly to that. Yeah. You're not
0: like your real buying power will not be better if that happens. (laughs) UBI is a race to the bottom. It's it's not going to help people. It's only going to hurt because Right now, for instance, just getting on that, like how hard is it now to get somebody to work for minimum wage, yeah, how hard will it be when their option is to sit at home and play video games and collect ubi
1: yeah, so that there's a lot of things that people think will help that I don't necessarily think will help but back to your question, you know which markets do I like, yeah. and I liked what you said about the ripple coming back because yeah. I never described it that way, but I'm kind of, you know, I don't own a primary residence. I rent my my home now. But I yeah. kind of dabble in, a, I kind of want to buy a house because yeah. I can type I'm there that, thing. i do that too. <laughs> right. Yeah. And when I look at, you know, Hamilton, where I'm from, and I see the prices, I go, I think the value is much better in Burlington. It, it's a better city. And I actually think, you know, yeah, it's more expensive, but for the cost comparison, I actually think the value has shifted back to Burlington. The ripple is coming back I almost think the value is pushing back to even like in Toronto in some areas too. So it's kind of like I'm I'm noticing what you said. I've been kind of feeling I just didn't know how to describe it properly because I I am seeing that for at least the primary residences. I think for the rentals, you know, they're still pushing outward because there's more cash flow, all that.
0: Here's what we've seen uh, pretty much across the board all throughout Ontario is everything that was accessible to somebody making, say, minimum wage to $60,000 a year has been just snapped up and the prices have been driven up like crazy. The demand for for units, say, under 400 grand has pushed even the crappiest of properties kind mm-hmm. of up to near 400 grand. But then there's this threshold where it's just out of the reach of the average person, even the average, you know, the above average person. You know, once you get into 800,000 plus, now it's only your your far above average, uh, you know, m- above middle-class Canadians that can afford those Well, markets. the challenge, right, is
1: that, to buy above a million you need a 20% down payment. So yeah. once you if you buy at 999, you can get in with 75,000 right. down. You so buy think at 1 about million. The value you can get over a million. Once exactly. you,
0: once there's so much of the market cut out, mm-hmm. now all of a sudden there's less people competing for that project product. So what I've noticed in my properties is they were they were pretty expensive. They were at the top of the market in 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 the student rental market. So I haven't really seen the appreciation like Kellen was on and his properties his portfolio's doubled in including what he's added into it yeah. since he was on before. Mine has not done that, mm-hmm. which is actually pretty frustrating. If I just <laughs> buy, if I had bought cheap properties that were, were very, very low priced and were easy to get into, I would have seen more of an, an increase. And I
1: think if you did go on the high end on something like a primary residence single family, you would have saw that appreciation. Mm-hmm. It's just in the rental where it's
0: tied to the cash flow. It's, it's all about cash flow. Yeah. yeah my that, income hasn't changed. It's it, Well, a little bit, but yeah, it's mostly the same. Like
1: I, I think yeah. like the property in my portfolio that's had the biggest jump in value I think is my worst property, and the reason's had the biggest jump is because it's single family
0: and would sell to a single family yeah if it's in that affordability range for mm-hmm. the average person like they they understand I can't buy anything else and yeah. I see this like people are spreading out because they want they want to be able to have a little bit more land a little bit more space and they can only afford so much like why would I buy you know a tiny one bedroom condo in Burlington if I could go you know an hour north and get a house for that price or yeah. something along those lines so that just knowing that, you know, psychological behavior, I'm looking to these little fringe markets, smaller towns. Like to me, as long as they've got city water, city sewer, I'll at least take a look. Yeah. If, it's, if it's reasonably accessible to major areas, like within an hour or two, um, I think that that's got potential. It's also just a
1: feel thing, right? You know, I still yeah. think, I think Windsor's a great market. I think, you know, proximity mm-hmm. to Detroit is a little bit underrated still. You know, you got pro sports teams, you've got all these great things happening in Detroit and it's 10 minute drive across the board. Right. You know, so there's a lot of different things that I like, kind of thing um, that I'm seeing in different markets. But yeah, like, you know, uh, one thing that I always pay attention to is for someone who's lived in Toronto and also lives in Hamilton, is, you know, there's a lot of demand for condos in Toronto because the discrepancy between the cost of a condo and a detached was so large. Obviously, we're Mm -hmm. seeing different things happen in the condo market right now. Yeah. But in Hamilton, I look at the price of the condos and there's not much of a discrepancy between the cost of a condo and a detached bungalow. It's yeah. like, you know, a condo might be 450000 or actually more than that for a two-bed. And yeah. a detached bungalow might be six hundred for a two-bed. So when you actually factor the condo fees, those actually aren't that different uh, when it turns to month-to-month cost. So that is another thing for me where I go, the value in Hamilton, I still think is undervalued
0: for a lot of I reasons. I think it's still going to go up. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm with you. I do think it's kind of getting to that point, like a two-bedroom's renting, and, you know, a nice two-bedroom. I've heard my buddy has a place like 2400 a month he had offers that <laughs> it was a pretty large two-bedroom like you know 1500 square foot but if that's happening i mean that's getting that's getting quite expensive for the average person Absolutely. so like you said like people will invest till there's no more cash flow i think average homeowners will keep driving prices up until they just can't afford anymore and then then what happens i, I don't know like the because wages aren't going up as fast as as these prices are so that part i'm not completely sure what's going to happen
1: yeah, I mean I think so. There's a couple things, right? And I think we should actually do another podcast on this. I think we would have a like amazing podcast on affordable housing because it is a really important point, right? But obviously we talked about or we've heard about the announcement that we're gonna have record level immigration for the next, you know, X amount of years. Yeah. And what's the biggest thing driving the real estate market? It's supply and demand, right? Oh, of course. And then you Too look at Too much demand and not enough supply. Yeah, and then you look yeah. at for example, all the debt we're, we're taking in. So what's happening? Yeah. Inflation. So the cost to, to build new homes is going to be even harder, right? So everything's yeah. kind of pointing towards this problem that we have actually expanding, not really being resolved. Mm-hmm. I hope it's resolved. You know, I, I do feel bad for somebody who's 16 years old right now and in four years or five years is going to start to consider getting in the housing market and the market they get into it's is going to be very happen. difficult because, yeah. you know, I was blessed that I was born in or I wasn't born in Hamilton, but I grew up in Hamilton. and. You Know when I was 21, 22, starting to consider buying a house. Well, you could buy a house under $200,000 in Hamilton.
0: That's insane.
1: That's insane, right? So, yeah. you know, a house I bought for 195000 with a 5% down, less than $10,000 down payment is now worth in the mid fives.
0: That's so crazy,
1: right? So, yeah, just that little investment could turn into so much, right? So, I don't take credit for that. I got, you know, there's a lot of luck. Involved Mm -hmm. in this too, right? Now, the strategies we we are using now are a lot more sophisticated, right? And and there's a lot more strategy behind it, right? But yeah, yeah, I wonder what's going to happen. I think what you're going to see co ownership is going to be coming much more popular. People are going to be buying with friends as opposed to just with a family. Smaller and smaller units smaller units, you know, but then, you know, the government is going to need to step up and allow, um, you know, better guidelines in terms of what's an acceptable accessory dwelling, right? I know in Hamilton, I think you have to have at least 700 square feet for a basement unit and, you know, but condos at 500 square feet sell no problem. So why do we need 700 square feet in a basement, right? So they need they need to make it easier so people can actually provide the supply.
0: I mean that that'll be yeah this is all about predicting yeah what's our government going to do and a lot of that is in our hands in terms of what we elect mm-hmm. you know what kind of government and what we 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 stick up for and push for from our government so you know and that's a whole other rabbit hole yeah, that, let's, that we yeah. we could go down um resist the great reset i'll say that much <laughs> uh if you haven't looked at that one up look it up it's uh it's actual insanity out in the open now that that kind of stuff used to be a great uh conspiracy theory and now <laughs> Something worth looking up, I will say yes. that much. What we're seeing is, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, we can go on forever well, on that. It's it's this, um, you know, just the idea, like I think a lot of people who listen to this, uh, this podcast, if you're in business for yourself, it's kind of like a conservative ideology, like I'm going to make it for myself. And so mm-hmm. many people who come on this podcast have that attitude. You know, I don't need anything from anybody. I'm going to go make it for myself. I think you're that attitude. I'm that attitude. Um, and I, I love that. I love that about business people. And that's what they do. Uh but there is the other side of the coin and there is the other, you know, kind of movement that we're seeing today. And um, you know, you say the government's stepping up. I think that, that that certainly is something that uh that we may see. I'd like to see them take take a step back, like you kind of indicated, and let let the market operate. You know, like we're gonna need to see like new land be developable. It's gonna yep. need to happen, right? Like our planning process is quite quite slow and lethargic. And I think by knowing this stuff, you know, long long winded uh commentary here. Knowing that the that the process is lethargic, we've got huge immigration. It's quite simple to see what's coming. It's going to mm-hmm. get harder and harder to buy places. So, really, the answer is if you can cash flow for yep. me, if I can cash flow and I can find a way to get my money back out, I'll buy as much of the real estate as I can, um, as long as I believe that I'll get to keep that real estate. No one's going to come take it from me. And
1: yeah, you know, and and what's the number one reason people are investing in real estate? Yeah, you know, they want some financial independence, but. Really, people are thinking about taking care of their family, yeah. their loved ones. You know, retirement isn't just for you, it's probably for your partner in life too, you know, your kids in the future, helping them do stuff. So yeah. I always think about if my kids are gonna buy property one day, or where are my kids gonna live one day. So yeah. a lot of these properties might be your kids' only chance at yeah. home ownership if things just continue to trend the way we're seeing. Them right. Kind of well,
0: thing. and like look at inflation. Like hypothetically, say interest rates stay roughly where they are, uh, because if they increase too much, our government can't afford it citizens can't afford it so say they stay around two or three percent but inflation goes nuts like i kind of expect it to it's going to inflate your debt away eventually your debt will become insignificant because your five hundred thousand dollar house became worth five million because of massive inflation i don't know how soon that would happen but that's something that's always been in my mind when i bought real estate And like, if it cash flows and inflation is taking care of my value Um, I actually kind of win because of inflation.
1: Well, the thing is, too, is like, so think about the way you're speaking right now, right? So we are both kind of taking a position of counter what our government is doing. But meanwhile, all those decisions are benefiting us. So, for example, the inflation benefits the property owners, right? The increased supply and demand benefits the property owners. So all this stuff is directly benefiting us financially. But we're still taking the position of this isn't right for the the majority of people.
0: Well, I want to see Canada be Canada. Mm-hmm. And if we keep going down the path we're on, spending the way we're spending, injecting, you know, 500 billion into the economy this year, which through fractional reserve lending is going to turn into 5 trillion over the next several years, that's way too much money in our system that needs to be soaked up by the sponge that is our economy. That's scary. Like where is that money going to go? We have like a 1 trillion dollar economy. So what is that just going to turn into a 3 trillion? Dollar economy. I think the
1: answer really is people need to read past headlines, right? So, for example, there was a headline I posted about on my Facebook page, and it was, you know, the liberals pledge one billion dollars towards affordable housing. So, anybody who reads that, saying, "Great, you know, affordable housing is an issue, and they're going to put a billion dollars behind it," that sounds amazing, right? And then you read the article, and it says they, they, you know, they're going to buy up all these um, distressed hotels and motels, and they're going to create affordable housing, and they think they're going to be able to create three thousand units. So. $1 One billion dollars for three thousand units created that means it's costing them this program over three hundred thousand dollars per one single affordable unit created it's not so, so affordable <laughs> so you know you look at all these people who are just desperate to actually get permits to put yeah. accessory dwellings in their house if you just gave them a fifteen thousand incentive yeah. to to put an affordable unit and make sure that you have to prove that you rent it out for you know a designated affordable price for one year two years whatever the thing was mm-hmm. you could literally get 20 times the amount of units for that. Yeah, uh, for that same amount of money. So, you know, it's just, if you actually look at what's happening, you know, we have to read past the headlines.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think you're right. And, and what you're pointing to is like, let, let independent people go pursue a capitalist intention. Like, like we all want to provide for our families, like you said. So we, Hey, I can do this and I can create this value and I can, I can create this wealth for my family. I'm going to do that. I think the private market is held accountable. If you do a bad job, you lose. Governments don't. So that's why it's, uh, I personally feel, and hey, this is just an off the off the cuff conversation. You guys don't need to agree with us. Uh, this is just kind of my thoughts. I think that if you let the private market act, a lot of times it actually works out better because governments are inefficient inherently, right? They're not held ac- accountable. That's the problem.
1: Yeah. That's exactly it, right? So, you know, they're you know they're there for a term. They're there for however lo- they're long they're involved in politics. And they're not left with that debt, right? Yeah. The country's left with that debt. Yeah. Whereas if we make bad financial decisions for our family, you know, we're, we're living with that debt. Yeah, we got to live with it, right? So we, we make
0: better <laughs> decisions. Yeah, so absolutely. Jacob, remind our listeners where they can find you. Like, where do they follow you if they want to follow your real estate journey or if they want to contact you?
1: Yeah, definitely reach out to me. I think Instagram is usually the best place, at jacobperez10. Feel free to follow me. There's actually a booking button right in my profile, so you can actually book a call with me. That's how I meet so many different people off Instagram. Also, uh, please check out Synergy Mortgage Group, our brokerage. You know, we work with over 500 investors every single year in Canada, and our kind of specialty is taking people from one to seven, eight, nine, ten properties, mm-hmm. and showing you what kind of metrics you need to know in advance, so you can buy the right properties that allow you to buy over and over at your maximum purchase price. So I'd say, yeah, hit me up, Jacob Perez, uh, especially at Instagram, and love to have a dialogue with everyone.
0: Yeah, well, wow, I was a you've practiced that. (laughs) You go really fast on that one. Yeah, man, that was, that was great. It's always nice catching up with you. Um, You're aggressive in this space and you're one of the names that people need to know. So Really appreciate having you on for the second time. Yep, and uh, yeah, we'll do a, we'll do a, a third round, three uh, and <laughs> another fifty or sixty episodes. We'll see. Awesome, thank you, man. Right. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Please make sure to share this episode far and wide. Help it help more people. I really appreciate you tuning in. Thanks. I'll see you on the next one. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a moment and give a shout out to a couple of very important local businesses to me. As you know, this lockdown has been tough on everyone and small businesses have been taking the brunt of it. So there's two specific businesses I wanted to give a shout out to. This is a completely unpaid promotion. They didn't ask me to do this, but I wanted to give them a shout out because I think they're really important and I want to see them be successful. Uh, So one is... New York, New York Men's Grooming Lounge here in Burlington, Ontario. I always see Sergio every month. Uh, They do a fantastic job. Their atmosphere there is fantastic. There's usually some Frank Sinatra playing in the background. Um, They're a great establishment even if you just want to go in and have an espresso or have a beer and chat. It really is a lounge and social uh, location which is just such a unique concept in today's market. Really like those guys. I really want to see them succeed. If you're looking for a fantastic men's haircut and grooming experience, I highly recommend them. The next one I wanted to give a shout out to is Dr. Mike White over at the Momentum Health Clinic in Hamilton. Dr. Mike has been able to help me many times over the years when I've hurt my back. He's a chiropractor, uh, so I'd be in a position where I couldn't even walk, I couldn't turn. Uh, I was in an agonizing pain, and I'd go to Dr. Mike, and usually I'm 100% better within a week. Now, I know it's a touchy thing with a medical service, so always, always, always consult with your medical professional before seeking any form of treatment. I just wanted to let you know my experience here, and I certainly think Mike White is worth considering. I've included the details for both of these contacts in my show notes. Please show them support if you see fit. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.